Well, yeah. they've also taken the mic away, so I have to, you know, speak loud. Uh, uh, sorry if you, uh, you can't hear me. I'm trying to uh, raise my voice so that you can hear me. Uh, let us all welcome uh, Willie, our brother. Uh, that is Laura's husband, who has just uh, joined her. So, uh, joined her. Uh, let's take time to interact with him and ask him about things from Nigeria. Be able to. <laughs> okay. Um, today, being the Lord's Day, we have to gather again and listen to His Holy Word. And uh, Austin, I thank you very much for reading that. Uh, passage from the Lord's uh, book. What does the Lord require from you and I? What is God expecting from you? Now, this is a kind of uh, question that Moses asked the Israelites, but we will come to that. Now, one thing that I want to ask you this morning this. Chris, do you love me? Do you love me? Say so that everybody can hear you. <laughs> it's difficult for Chris to, uh, you know, answer, but I know Chris loves me so much. So I know you also love me, and I also love you. Now, one thing that built the Church of Christ from the beginning is the love that the early believers have among themselves. So to, this morning, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Now, when uh, the church started in Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago, as I said, what kept the believers together uh, was nothing but the love that they had. Jesus told them to love one another. And when the church began, that is what uh, we saw from them. These were people from all walks of life. If you read Acts chapter 2, you can see that people from different countries came together. Right? They have different cultures. They have different traditions. They have different languages. If you read Acts chapter 2, you can see, uh, you know, so many languages that came together. It will be difficult for people with different or diverse cultures and languages to stay together, to understand each other. But because of the love that bonded them together, they were able to, you know, uh, uh, um, communicate or interact well with themselves. And this is what Christ is, you know, asking us as Christians to also do. Now, look who wrote the book of Acts, painted a, uh, 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 what do you call it, a beautiful picture here. If you read Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 44 to 47, I want us to read there. Then you see the kind of people we are talking about. Now, Luke said, uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, he's talking about the believers, the, uh, the early Christians, said, and all who believed were together and had things in common, and they were uh, selling their possessions and belongings and distributing 
their proceeds to all as they had needed. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, this is a beautiful picture that is being, you know, uh, uh, painted here. That these Christians, they were together. And they had all things in common. Remember, they spoke different languages. Remember, they have different cultures. They came from different countries, as we have here. In fact, Cumberland Church gives us a clear picture of what happened in Acts chapter 2. We have Ghanaians, we have Nigerians, we have uh, uh, the, the Filipinos, uh, the Scottish brothers, we have English people, we have uh, people from... Gambia. And then we have uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And Ethiopia. <laughs> Tell me about this. America. So we have America, yeah, Almighty America. <laughs> so we have all this blend of people coming together in Campbell Church here. I mean, it's so sweet to see this. And this is the picture that we saw in Acts chapter 2 that the Christians were from different culture, different background, they spoke differently, but they were together. What a great picture. They were together and all they had were in common, right? It wouldn't bother uh, uh, Ronnie to borrow my, you know, my this beautiful coat. <laughs> you understand? And I'll spare, I'll spare him. And then uh, only if he wears my size. <laughs> and, 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 and that is what the Christians were doing. They don't care that you use your brothers. Uh, I mean, something that belongs to your brother. And they did understand everything. That is the love that was bonded them together. You see, Christians were not the first people to work with God. Israel were the selected country. When you go back to the Old Testament, they were chosen people and God worked with them. You understand? Now, Moses who led them asked them questions. And that is what I titled my lesson that uh, what is required of you as a Christian. And this is the question that Moses asked Israel. He said, what does the Lord God requires of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandment and the statute of the Lord, which I am commanding you today, uh, today for your good. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. Moses asked this, uh, them question. What do you think God expects from you? What do you think God requires from you? Nothing but to love him. To love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with everything that you have, God wants you to love him. I mean, love, we were trying to define what love is. Sometimes love is one of the commonest language that we use every day. But whether we do understand 
is, you know, something else. You understand? Love God with all your might, with all your strength, with all your soul. What does that mean? Now, about 1,500 years later, Jesus quoted this. When a Pharisee asked him, who is his neighbor? Now, this is what Jesus said. We read him from Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 40, and that is what Oxen read for us. If you follow it, you see, Jesus quoted this when this Pharisee came to him and asked, which of the Ten Commandments was the greatest? Was the question. Came to him. Lord, I want you to tell me which of the Ten Commandments is the greatest. And this man knew that there was only one, only ten written on the tablet of stone that was given to Israel. So he asked Jesus, which of them is the greatest? Why is he asking that? Probably uh, it's difficult for him to follow all the ten. So if you tell me this is the greatest, then ah, then I'll take this one and dump the nine. But listen to what Jesus Christ told him. Okay, so Jesus replied, you must love Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is exactly what Moses told them 1,500 years before. The guy is asking Jesus, which of them is the greatest? And Jesus answered him, You must love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he paused there and says, This is the greatest commandment. Now let me ask you this question. Which part of the Ten Commandments do you have? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Now you read Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 17 where the Ten Commandments is listed. Do you see this? It is not there. But he is asking Jesus which one is the greatest. And then Jesus is quoting this to him. Huh. We'll come back and see if Jesus was wrong to tell him this. Probably the guy will say, if you don't know what I'm talking, you are talking about because that's not what I asked you. But then he continued by saying that a second is equally important. The second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, which one is the greatest? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind. And the second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And which part, which number of the commandment is love your neighbor as yourself? Do you find it there? So is Jesus mistaken here? Does he not know the Ten Commandments law that was given to Israel? These two he's talking about here, it's not there. But why is Jesus saying this? You see, to Jesus, the whole law given to Israel based on love. The Ten Commandments, based on love. Okay, the first, you must love God. And the second, you must love your fellow man. That is all the Ten Commandments is about. Now, 
Now, if you divide the Ten Commandments in two, as Jesus did, the 40% of the law was to deal with your relationship with God Almighty and how to demonstrate your love for Him. 40%. 60% of the law is about your relationship with your fellow man and how to demonstrate your love for one another. And that is all the Ten Commandments have for Israel. So, based on love, to love God and to love your neighbor or your fellow man. Now, Christians are no different. This was given to Israel mm -hmm. about 1,500 years before Jesus, uh, uh, after Jesus, you know, uh, came. And Jesus is quoting this to them. And then, Jesus said, in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. So, for people to know that we belong to Christ, for people to know that we are disciples of Christ, what should we do? We have to love one another. That is enough. If we, 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 we have that kind of brotherly love among us, people who aren't Christians would see Christ within us. And that is why Back then in the Old Testament, Moses told him, you have to love God with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your heart. And then Jesus quoted, and the second one too is equally important. It's not only to love God, but also to love your fellow man. It's so easy for people to say, oh, I love God, I love God. And it becomes a you know, jingle for us. We sing all the time. Oh, how I love Jesus. I think when we tend to say, Oh, how I love brother. Oh, how I love sister. Maybe we will understand here. But Jesus is saying, The second one, which is to love your fellow man, is equally <coughs> important. <coughs> So the new commandment that I'm giving you, that you love one another. You see, the early disciples had a unique relationship, you know, bonded by love. And for this reason, they were called Christians. First in Antioch, Acts chapter 11, verse 26. They did not go and announce to the people that we are Christians. But the people saw the kind of love that's, you know, bonding them together. And then they say, oh, this is, oh, these are Christ-like. They are like Christ because Christ is love. So they gave them that name, Christians, Christ-like. 
And that is why the Lord said, if you love yourselves, people will know that you are my disciples. Love is so important. And love is so great. Now, Jesus' love for the church is so great. If we read, you know, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I mean, God doesn't like sin. He hates sin. And he doesn't want anybody to involve in sin. But he demonstrated his love when we were still in sin. And this is the kind of love that God wants us, his disciples, his followers, his children, to also emulate. Now, John the Apostle, when you read 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we shall be called his children. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Here, John is saying that to call us his children is a demonstration of his love. Because we were sinners and we didn't deserve this. But God still called us his children to show the kind of love he had for us. So, as I said, love is the commonest word that we use in everyday language. But the question is whether we really understand what love is. You see, the modern generation that we find ourselves, it misrepresents love in so many ways. When somebody said to another person, I love you, probably it's different from the, 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 the I love you the Bible is talking about. Do you understand? People today, they just misrepresent the word love. It's so common in our language, but do we understand it? You love God with all your heart and with all your mind. And Jesus said, the second one is also equally important, to love your neighbor. So you love your neighbor with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Can we do that? It's easy for us to say we love God. But what about our neighbor? Now, let's try to understand what love is. Probably that will help us. God is love. Jesus is love. And to get the meaning of what the, uh, the word love is, we have to, you know, call Bible things by Bible names. We have to define Bible things using the Bible definition. You understand? Because when we use something like dictionary, uh, sometimes the meaning dictionary give us, compared to the Bible, you may see some slight differences. So let's use the Bible to define what love is. First Corinthians chapter 13, 
is the best chapter that can give us the meaning of what love is. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 7. Scripture says, love endures with patience. Serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. And it's not jealous or envious. Love does not brag. Love is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. And love is not self-seeking. Love is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Love does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice with injustice. But love rejoices with the truth. When rights and the truth prevail, love bears all things regardless of what comes. Believe in all things. Look in for the best in each one. Hope all things that is remaining steadfast during difficult times. Endure all things that is without weakening. Now, I read this from the AMP Bible. So you'll see some kind of you know, footnotes adding to that. But this is what love is. Love is patient. Love is not self-seeking. Love understands. And love endures. And love does not uh, you know, rejoice with what? Injustice. So this is what love is. And to love your neighbor as yourself is what we're talking about. And for loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, it's easy for any one of us here to say, I love God. But when it comes to neighbor, who is my neighbor is the next question. Because I know I, I need to know who my neighbor is. I don't think it's that neighbor who always threw something into my compound and I start to, you know, quarrel with it. And the neighbor God is talking about that I should love. Now, we cannot conclude this lesson by not showing uh, a good example of what love is. And to understand uh, the example Jesus is giving us here. Now, we're going to read from Luke chapter 10. Right. Luke chapter 10 verse 29 to 37 to get an example of what a true love is and who really will be your neighbor that you should show love to. Now, to understand this, we must understand the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans because that's where we are going, right? These were two rival groups of people who hate one another because of what history has taught them. The Jews and the Samaritans, no. They had nothing in common. And by extension, I would say that they were enemies because of their history. But Jesus could not get any beautiful example to tell the guy who asked him who is my neighbor that I should show love to. 
but gave this example. And that sometimes makes Christianity difficult. Christianity is not the hallelujah chorus we always hear. But Christianity is how to interact with your fellow man. Is everything okay between you and your brother, your sister? That is all Christianity is about. And that is why Jesus said, the second one is equally important. It's not only to love God, but your brother, your sister. And that is what Christianity is about. So, here, let's, you know, hear Jesus Christ, what he said. Now, in Luke chapter 10, verse 29, you see, a Pharisee wanted to know who his neighbor was. And Jesus gives this example. Now I read from this. He says, But he, that is the Pharisee, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, Instead of giving him straightforward answer, Who is my neighbor? Instead of saying, Christ is your neighbor, or Ian is your neighbor. Jesus replied him with a story. He said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by the other side. Now, priests and the Levites, they were highly religious among the Jews because they see the amount of people that interprets God's word. But here, Jesus is using this example to tell you who your neighbor is and who to show love to. These were, you know, the priests and the Levites, they were the people that explained the law to the Jew or use the law or lead them to offer their sacrifices to God. I don't know where this priest was going, but as his name sounds, probably was going to the temple to worship, and then saw this man who has been beaten and lying down helpless. As soon as he saw the man, he changed his route and passed by him. And then later, there's this Levite, who are the Levites? The Levites are the people who God, you know, selected his priests from. So these were the highly religious people. The Levite also came and saw this man who has been beaten and helpless, and he also changed the route. Nobody wanted to help this helpless person. Why? Because they saw him. Now, according to the Jewish law, 
you cannot contaminate yourself. You cannot contaminate yourself with somebody who is, uh, you know, dead or half dead. Because according to their law, if somebody is dead and you touched him, it means you have contaminated yourself. So probably the, that is me speaking. I don't know what was in the mind of this priest and the Levite. Probably they thought that the man was dead. They don't want to approach him. So they went away. Now, but, Jesus continued, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. See the picture? And who is this Samaritan? Remember, history has taught them, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were enemies. They were not in good terms at all. They hated each other. But this is the case where this Samaritan saw a Jew who is beaten, lifeless. And the scripture said he had compassion for him. Having compassion for your enemy who is beaten, would you not jubilate? Seeing somebody who hates you and that person is falling, would you rather pull his hand and raise him up or you will jubilate? I mean, the kind of picture Jesus is painting here is not easy when you know it comes to you at that point. You have to understand it. Sometimes when, when we're young, when we're in Sunday school, we're reading this, we just read it like that. But we didn't understand what Jesus was trying to tell us. To love somebody that hates you with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your mind, as you love God. He said, the second one is the same. It's no different. And this is the case. But this Samaritan had compassion. For this person. And what happened? And uh, he went to him and bound him up, his wounds pouring uh, on oil and wine. Today we will see that uh, he treated him, given first aid. You understand? Uh, and then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out uh, to the Narai and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you'll spend, I will repay you when I come back. So what this man did, just offered first aid to this helpless man, and then put him on his you know, animal, could be a donkey or horse, whatever. They, they used to ride on donkeys. So it could be a donkey. And then uh, took this uh, helpless man to, they say, an inn, probably hospital or local health center. That's a, we should get that picture. And then said, please treat this man. This is money here. 
If this will not be enough, tomorrow when I come, I will pay the difference. Do you for your enemy? Do you understand? But that is what Christ is saying. Remember, who asked Christ, who is my neighbor? A Pharisee. And these Pharisees, they were, you know, I would say they were highly religious, in quotes, because Jesus knew their heart. So they were the first to shine away from their enemies. And Jesus is telling them this story. Do you want to know who your neighbor is? Do you want to know who you have to show love to? Then get this story. And Jesus asked this, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? After telling him this story, then he asked the Pharisee who asked him this question. I want to ask you, the Levites, the priests, and the Samaritan, which of them do you think, okay, proved to be the neighbor for this man okay. who fell among robbers. Let's hear the answer he gave. And then the Pharisee said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, huh, you go and do likewise. <laughs> ah, I see. You have answered rightly. The one that showed him mercy. Showing mercy to your enemy. It's love. It's what love is all about. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, when he was saying this beatitude on the mount, he said, love your enemies, show them mercy. If they are hungry, feed them. And that is what love is. Love your neighbor with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your heart, as you will do to God. Do you know why this is difficult? Jim said something. Is it James or John? I think John. He said, how can you say that you love God that you cannot see, but hate your neighbor, your friend, your fellow man? So many people calling ourselves Christians. We have that kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it, enthusiasm <coughs> to come and worship God. But then, there are always forced to settle with other people. Now, without taking much of your time, uh, I want us to conclude this by and reading this from what Jesus Christ said. If we are to talk about what G uh, John said, that if you say you love God and then you hate your brother, you are a liar. Okay? John is also, uh, I mean, saying exactly what Jesus Christ said because. If you have to love God with all your strength and all your mind, and he said the second one is the same, it means you cannot love God and hate your brother. 
because God, you cannot see God. Do you remember what Jesus Christ said at the judgment day? Some will come and say that, uh, Jesus will say that, uh, when I was hungry, you did not feed me. When I was sick, you never visited me. And uh, when I was naked, you never clothed me. And the people asked Jesus, Lord, when when did we see you that you were naked and we never clothed you? Jesus said, because he did not do to Chris. He never done to me. Hmm. So, you see the scenario here. Jesus wants to tell you that if you want to worship God a set away, and you want to love God, love your neighbor. <coughs> And that is enough. Because God, you cannot see God. <coughs> if you have grudges with your neighbors, with your friends, with your families, if you have scores to settle, your, what do you call it, the, the people at your work, and sometimes your own family people, if you have grudges with them, the scripture is saying that if you say you love God, that is not right. You've got it wrong. Because you cannot see God. But you can see your family member. You can see your relative. But you can see your work colleague and show him love. And that is enough. <coughs> the last quotation is Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. And here is our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, So if you are offering your gifts at the altar, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Go and do what? First, be reconciled with your brother, and then you come and offer your gift. So what is he and he's trying to say, if you are coming to church today, you come here to sing praises to Almighty God, to take the Lord's Supper, to do everything as Christians we do. But then you remember that you have grudges with somebody in your own family. Oh, there's cause to settle with somebody at your workplace. Jesus said, coming here to offer your sacrifice will be meaningless if you still have all that kind of grudges. That's what he's saying. So he's saying that leave it there and go and make sure that you reconcile with your brother before you come and offer your sacrifice to me. <coughs> the second one, is equally the same. Love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. Amen.